You're listening to Just One of the Guys, the podcast that willingly promotes the idea of clowns being deceptive and creepy at the same time. episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The podcast whose sole existence is to cover the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, comic bookdom's two most underappreciated Green Lanterns. My name is Sean Engel, and today we're going to be covering Green Lantern number 11, which is the third part in the four-part series of the story of Guy and his Nort. A comedic fun issue where a guy with a mohawk haircut and a bipedal dog take on the most horrendous villains in the universe. Well, not really. They beat up some Green Lantern Corps members who are actually members of the clown Green Lantern Corps. Don't worry, fair listeners. It'll all be explained in the synopsis. Again, I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening to the podcast and who's been downloading it. I'd also recommend that if you are a podcaster yourself and you'd like to promo this show on your podcast, I have created a new promo, and it's for download either on iTunes or at the website, justoneoftheguys.libson.com. The promo is a bit shorter than the introductory promo, which I kind of thought was a bit long-winded. So with this new one, I tried to keep it a bit more focused and on topic. So if you get a chance, go to either the site or iTunes and download the promo and see if you can try and fit it into your podcast. I will reciprocate by doing the same thing for your podcast, because word of mouth is always the best promotion. I'd like to also thank up at the front a couple of people who've gotten in touch with me, one being Mr. Andrew Leyland from the great podcast Hey Kids Comics. He wrote in with some words of encouragement, saying how the podcast seems to be doing well, and he's really enjoying it so far. Thanks, Andy. Uh, we'll be playing his promo a little later in the show. And another person that I got in touch with was the awesome podcaster, Mr. Thomas DJ. If you don't know Thomas, he's the host of Better in the Dark and DJ Comics Cavalcade, which is a podcast that also covers Green Lantern, but covers it from the Silver Age. However, he has been on record on podcasts like Views from the Long Box in stating that Guy Gardner is his favorite Green Lantern character. And he mentioned that if I ever wanted to have him on to shoot the breeze about the Guy Gardner character, he would be more than happy to do that. And I know here in a while, I've got just the episodes that I'd love to have him on with. But with pre-show ramblings out of the way, let's take a break, 
play some promos, and we'll get back to the review of Green Lantern number 11. Stay tuned. record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. Short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? Read comics. We read comics, that's true, that's good. Liking it, liking this pitch, carry on. Right, we talk about comics. We do, we talk about comics, we read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent, keep going. And then... We sing! Badly! Yes, well, badly is purely subjective, but how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Ages Comics! Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com Attention, people of Earth, do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hey you! Yes you, hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well evidently you do because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do! Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well then have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the internet. And we talk about all your old favorites like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera. But also lesser known monsters like Gappa, Yangari, and Giawa. We cover everything from movies to comic books to video games, and we're kicking it old school. This is breaking news. We are receiving word that Earth's Destruction Directive is now a part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Listeners are advised to stay in their homes and listen to all of the fine quality podcasts on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Available at two true freaks.libton.com. We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast. Wait a minute. Is this true? Earth's Destruction Directive is now on the Two True Freaks Network? You bet your oxygen destroyer it is. So if you love atomic powered, fire breathing, hardcore, giant monster action, then head on over to Two True Freaks. .libson.com and check out Earth Destruction Directive. We're turning all of your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. moment that we were created 
But I don't need to tell you your duty. I don't need to tell you who we are. Chosen by the Mystic Guardians of the Universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage. The best and brightest join to fulfill a solemn oath. In brightest day. In blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's Light. Green Lantern's Light, a monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today. Say the oath. Join the Corps. Green Lantern's Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com Hey gang, Tom DJ of Better in the Dark here. As I've discussed in the podcast, which you can find at Earth2.net, I suffer from mental illness. Part of this illness includes struggling with suicidal thoughts. Now I'm lucky. I've got great friends, family, and yes, even fans who give me the strength to conquer those thoughts every day. Some people aren't so lucky. For them, there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, providing support and advice to pull those people through the darkest moments of their lives. For the months of March and April 2012, Better in the Dark is running a special BITD challenge. We're asking our fans to go to SuicidePreventionLifeline.com and donate at least $10. The donations are tax-deductible, and you'll be doing something truly great. On top of that, if you forward a copy of your receipt to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net, that's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net, you may be eligible for special goodies from us, a special director's court on Brian De Palma that you'll be listed as co-producer on, plus the possibility of free audio commentaries on some of De Palma's films from me and my co-host, Derek Ferguson. For more details, listen to recent episodes of Better in the Dark. Please help me send a lifeline out to those who need it. Meet the BITD Challenge. Thank you for your time and help. And we're back. If you folks can, please make an attempt to donate to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's a good cause, and if you send the receipt for your donation to Better in the Dark, and Thomas gets enough receipts, he'll do a special director's commentary for a Brian De Palma film. Which, if you know Thomas, he is not the biggest fan of the Brian De Palma film. So... Let's try and get those donations in and get Thomas to do that commentary. But speaking of commentaries, here's mine for Green Lantern comic number 11. Green Lantern number 11 has a cover date of April 1991, a cover price of $1 US, $1.25 Canada, and 50 pence UK. The title of the comic was Fools Rush In. The writer was Gerard Jones, penciler was Joe Staten, inker was Bruce Patterson, letterer was Albert Guzman, Colors and Stoic Disapproval was Anthony Tolan, Kevin Dooley was Stuff, and Andy Helfer was Nonsense. Our story opens with the bodies of the fallen weaponers lying in craters near the Poglachi city-slash-circus. 
The two rise, thankful that their scarlet liege spared their lives. As the burned weaponer swears revenge on Guy Gardner, his comrade tells him to wait and see what the Pogalachi have planned for the humiliation of the Green Lantern Corps. Cut to one confused Guy Gardner, being told that he can't be an actual Green Lantern because the clown-like Pogalachi are the true guardians and they've never seen him before. Disbelieving the Poza rejects, Guy grabs the clowns and two ring-construct fists and flies them over to their capital city, where he sees the true mission of these guardians is not cosmic order, but fun. Oh, and not to hurt anybody. In fact, Nort is one of the Poglachi's most fun Green Lanterns, which is why he was assigned to Earth. Politely disagreeing with the clowns, well, okay, Guy punches Nort again, Guy scoops up one of the imposters to take to the real guardians in the universe. But before he can leave the planet, he is brought down by a beam of green energy. Shaking off the hit, Guy turns his eyes skyward and is confronted by the Green Lantern Corps. Over the next few panels, we're introduced to the quote, real Green Lantern Corps, unquote, which includes Hubba Seven, a Freakazoid ripoff who is a complete horn dog, Patina of Beetlejuice, a vain hairstylist, Thum and Boom, two thing analogs locked in constant battle, Skronk, a comic collector, Spud, a lover of situation comedies, Blorb, a despicable meme minion who is an artist, Meralda, a matronly maid, and Vixie of Zix a chip wannabe who gives people the hot foot with his ring. But the one lantern that the Poglachi are most proud of is Nort. After the presentation of the, quote, true core, unquote, the Poglachi offer Guy membership, to which he gives serious thought, realizing that he can mop up problems on Earth while scoring some hot Hollywood dames. The, quote, unquote, guardians agree, saying that Guy will fit right in with this group. Of course, this sets off Guy and Fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights reserved, ensues. Guy is easily mopping up these supposed cores, much to the dismay of the weaponers and the Poglachi. While Guy is making quick work of his attackers, the Poglachi convinced Nort to intervene on the behalf of the true Guardians. After defeating the Urzat's core members, Guy turns to face Buck 50, the strongest furniture mover in the universe while conflicted Nort ponders who his loyalties lie with. After ring-blasting the ring-powered Steve Dwar, Guy moves on to confront the neat freakling. But just as Guy is about to pull a feint on the scrawny maid, Nort lassoes her arm with a ring construct, throwing her beam off target and having it ricochet off two mirrors and onto the body of Guy. Cut to a prison ship where our two heroes, well, Guy and Nort, are shackled to the wall. Guy, still wearing his ring, tries to free himself and gets an electrical shock for his troubles. Nort tells him that after Guy got zapped, the Corps ganged up on him and brought him here. Because... High Court may well sentence you to torture! Torture! During his time being knocked out, the Weaponers took Guy and Nort to the antimatter universe of Quard, where the Weaponers plan to stop the formation of the new Green Lantern Corps by Hal Jordan trying to find the location through The Weaponers get nothing out of Guy. Troubled by his stubbornness, the Weaponers wonder if Guy would be more talkative if they decided to 
his friend Nort. Hearing what the weaponers have planned for Guy's faithful companion, Guy breaks down and asks the weaponers for one caveat. That they open a window so he won't have to inhale the smell of burning fur. Seeing that this lantern's metal is stronger than Hal Jordan's, the weaponers decide to bring the two captives into the chamber of their master. Nort praises Guy for his cunning tactics while Guy tries to figure out how he's going to handle this quote-unquote master. As they round a corner, Guy realizes his intuition was correct, as the weaponer's master is... Sinestro. However, rather than monologuing them to death, Sinestro beckons them to come forward. As they're taken along, Nord asks Guy how many Sinestros there were, as the duo begin to encounter more and more. Guy tells him that one was enough as they reach the throne room, where upon a giant yellow throne sits the enormous countenance of the weaponer's master, Sinestro. I know it's got to be really difficult for me to describe the humor that's apparent in this book, especially if you can't see it for yourself. The characters of the Green Lantern Corps that are created by the Poglachi are really a ridiculous group of people. If you thought, you know, some of the aliens that were permeating the regular Corps were kind of weird, wait until you see these goofballs something I can't really convey very easily in the medium of audio podcasting, so by all means, try and seek out this comic. shouldn't be costing too much. I bet you could probably find it on eBay or a local comic book retailer for a minimal price. But with my notes, I will try my best to give you an idea of what these characters are kind of like. So let's start out with the notes. We'll go ahead and start with the cover, which is, in my opinion, probably one of the worst covers that I've seen so far in the series. It's a really bland-looking cover with the shadowy figures of the faux Green Lantern Corps in the background, silhouetted by some sort of glowy green light with Guy Gardner in the foreground looking like he's ready to punch the hell out of him. But the thing is, the way Guy's drawn, he's looks like he's suffering from a really bad case of scoliosis. It's not really a cover that screams buy me, buy me, unless you're enjoying it for the nice butt shot of Guy Gardner on the front. And I'm certain Sally P. from the excellent website Green Lantern Butts Forever probably was all into that. Page 1, panel 4. It's really kind of interesting, especially with Joe Staten doing the artwork here, that the helmets of the Weaponers of Cord look a heck of a lot like the helmets that Hawkman used to wear. You know, they've got the big wings on the side, but thankfully they don't have the big beak, you know, covering up their eyepieces, so there is a bonus there. Page 3, panel 4, we get an image of Nort looking at himself in a funhouse mirror, one of those mirrors that is curved in such a way that when you look into it, the perspective of your body looks a bit off. And as Nord is looking into it, he sees his giant face at it, and he just starts growling at it. And I love that. It's just basically Jones showing that even though Nord has, well, I guess, semi-human intelligence, 
at heart, he is still a dog. He's still confused by things. He still loves chasing rubber balls. And that makes Dort really a fun character in my mind. Page five, we get a splash page introducing us to the core members. And to say that these people are a bunch of rejects is a slap in the face to people who are a bunch of rejects. Now, I'm going to try my best to describe these characters individually. The first one, Hubba Seven, is, like I said, basically a gray-skinned, pompadoured, freakazoid ripoff who uses his ring constructs to create bodaciously tatad babes. So, I guess something in common with the guy. The next one, Patina, is a female Green Lantern who basically is using her ring to create different hairstyles for herself. She's very sort of 80s punk and has the the weird sort of, oh, I don't know, Susie and the Banshees type face with more Jersey girl type hair. Next we get Thum and Boom, who are pretty much thing analogs. Now, they look a lot like the Marvel character of the thing, except this time, instead of their bodies being sort of octagonal blocks, they actually look like giant orange bricks. And their basic purpose in life is to beat the living crap out of each other. So much to the point that they are keeping tally of how many times that they actually knock the other person out. Skronik is a kind of spiky-haired Dustin Hoffman slash Willie Lomax type character who uses its ring to collect his favorite comic books, so a little bit of poking fun at the reader there. Spud, well, Spud essentially looks like the Golgothan from the Kevin Smith film Dogma. Now, if you haven't seen the Kevin Smith film Dogma, I would recommend you go see it. But just realize that Spud looks like a giant ambulatory piece of poo. (sighs) Next we've got Blorb, and for any of you people who've seen the animated film Despicable Me, the little minions of the character in that, if you've got an image in your mind what those characters look like, that's what the uh, image of Blorb looks like. He's kind of a yellowish, bug-eyed character that looks a lot like those little minions from the movie. Next, we've got Meralda, who's a blue-skinned, incredibly thin, maid-type person. Eh, basically think Mary Poppins if she was blue-skinned and had a Green Lantern ring. And finally, we get Vixie of Six, the squirrel-slash-raccoon Green Lantern who likes to give people the Green Lantern ring-based hotfoot. Now, initially looking at Vixie's name, I kind of thought there might be a bit of a pun in the name, the V-I-X-I being the Roman numerals for 6 and 9, hence his first name being 69. 69, dudes! However, on further inspection, I realized that 69 was would have actually been... 6VI and 9IX. So, unfortunately, the joke didn't work out, but I thought it may have been a clever little wink to the readers. Page 9, panels 5 through 8, we get some great state and art as after the quote-unquote guardians have told Guy that he'd fit in perfectly with the new Green Lantern Corps, and not so subtly insinuating that Guy is also a reject, much like these members, You see the artwork go from Guy looking inquisitive to Guy just 
boiling furiously mad. And you know that in the next panel, there is going to be some ass-kicking going on. Page 11, panel 3. As the Green Lanterns are fighting Guy, we get Spud, the aforementioned poop monster Green Lantern, yelling at uh, Guy, saying, Get him! Get him! He made me miss my happy ending! I'm wondering, with the addition of, you know, Vixie, the supposed 69 alien, if happy ending may not have a bit of a double meaning. I wouldn't put it past the writers, trying to slip in some dirty humor in the comic book. Page 14, panel 7, we get another little coloring mistake that I noticed, and that Nort's ring is colored yellow, so just a bit of a nitpick. Nothing too bad. Page 15, we get a nice compilation of shots as Nord is pulling Ralda's ring beam away with his little lasso, which causes it to reflect off the funhouse mirrors that Nord was looking at earlier. The composition's really cool because you see the beam bouncing off a mirror, and then Guy in the inset panel saying, Like I say, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's an idiot. As Guy gets blasted by the ring blast that he would have easily missed if Nort hadn't tried to quote-unquote help him out. Of course, you kind of got to wonder if Guy had all this time to monologue about, you know, how much he hates idiots, couldn't he have just as easily gotten out of the way of the beam? Uh, it's a plot device to get him captured, so I'll forgive it. Page 17, panel 5, we get a close-up of the head weaponer as he's making sort of a kissy face. And I don't know if the method of torture that he's trying to use on Guy is to give him a big smack on the lips, but it probably wouldn't be any more inhumane than the methods of torture that he was already using. Page 18, panel line. I love the reaction of Nort, as the weaponers mention that they're about ready to torture, torture him. We get this panel of Nort just looking on, going, Hurp? It's a nice little comedic dog sound, and I, I found it thoroughly enjoyable. Page 19, panel 2. Guy's comment about, you know, asking the weaponers to crack a window so he doesn't have to smell the burning smell of fur. You kind of wonder if that's actually Guy hoping that Nort gets tortured, or if Guy's just pulling a clever fainting tactic. My money's on the prior. Page 20, panel 4. You get the reveal of Sinestro, and... Sadly, it's not really that impressive. I mean, he's just standing there. Granted, he is standing there in his classic uh, uniform, but it just really isn't all that impressive a reveal. However, as Guy and Nort move further on into the throne room, we get to the final page, and we get to the final reveal of the giant Sinestro sitting on this yellow throne with all the other myriad Sinestros around him, and that is a reveal. It's a nice final splash page that basically puts our heroes in the kind of jeopardy that I like to see him in. Plus, it's also a great cliffhanger ending, which will definitely want to make you pick up the next comic when it comes out the next month. But that generally finishes up my notes, so let's go and see what kind of ads they've stuck in the comic book this time, and if they're enjoyable or if they're the same old crap. And in the opening cover, we get a ad for Upper Deck Baseball cards this time. And I guess we get a Nolan Ryan card being the main reason why you would want to buy these card sets. 
Still not enthused about them. Next, we get an ad for It's Coming. And no, it's not another innuendo. Although I guess it could be. This comic has been filled with them. But this one is an ad for the new version of the TSR Dungeons and Dragons game. It's got a nice image of a red dragon, you know, coming at you, claws flashing. It's it's kind of a neat comic, but, you know, it's just another way to have TSR get you to shell out tons of money to buy new monster manuals and player's handbook for their same RPG. Next page, we get another boring ad for Gargoyle's Quest. Again, the Game Boy game with graphics so real you'll forget it's a game, except that you won't. Later on, we get the full-page ad for the Great Eastern Conventions, this one occurring in San Francisco, with the special guests being Stan and Jim Lee, no relation, and Chris Claremont. So, I guess if it was 1991, we could have gone to the Cowl Palace in San Francisco and seen these comic book giants there. Of course, again, we get another full-page ad for a score of the best in baseball baseball cards with the ability or with the possibility of you being able to win an exclusive Mickey Mantle card. Woo. And again, uh, more baseball cards. Again, this time for National. Not interested at all. Later on, we get the hodgepodge page for all the different stuff, including how to draw superheroes, how to build muscles, and, oh, by the way, they're also selling baseball cards. Yes, if you couldn't get enough ads about baseball cards throughout the comic, National Baseball Cards are willing to give you another ad for their stuff right in the middle of the hodgepodge page. Then on the back cover outside, we get twice the characters, three times the action. It's the ad for the Nintendo version of Double Dragon 3. Now, I was a big fan of the arcade version of Double Dragon, and I played a little bit of Double Dragon 2 in the arcade, but I never played these two games at home. I do remember there being a Double Dragon 3, I think for the arcade, but I never played it, and unfortunately, I don't think I'd be too interested in the Double Dragon 3 game for the Nintendo either. However, on the back end side cover, we do have another great ad for the Three Musketeers Adventures. So, strap in and get ready for fun as we are set to cover the Three Musketeers Adventure, number three in a series with the title, Secret 3Ms. We get the opening caption of, Deep in outer space, the cargo shuttle Eagle 5 approaches space station. And the captain says, Dan, did you get a load of this cargo list? Next panel we see Dan saying, Sure did. What could they possibly be building up there that would need 3,000 tons of... In the next panel, you get the shocked expression of Dan going, Chocolate? In the final panel, you get this monolith-sized Three Musketeers bar with the shuttle approaching it, and the captain saying, It'll take the inhabitants of Delta-6 a year to eat that Three Musketeers. And then Dan replies, Not if we help them. <laughs> and you get the final quote of, Where will Three Musketeers turn up next? Big on chocolate. Yeah, I'm keeping with the whole idea that the ancient aliens were still messing with the U.S. military and the whole Three Musketeers thing. It makes sense to me. 
but the final ad that I'm wanting to cover is a great one. It's for the Avalon Hill game, which, if you didn't know, Avalon Hill is basically a game maker, much like TSR was. And instead of coming out with Dungeons & Dragons type games, they came out with a bunch of random role-playing games. But this one is a hoot. This one is for the Avalon Hill game, Wrestling. So, let me set it up for you. The first panel, you get the older brother saying, I beat the out of Dad last night. Of course, his younger brother, who's wearing the backwards-facing baseball cap, is looking on shocked. And the next panel, we see him saying, First, I body-slammed him, then I caught him in the Boston Crab, and then I finished him with a pile driver. I'm bad. And then the next panel, we see the guy splayed in front of the couch, saying, I'll say, but why'd you drop-kick your mom when he crawled over to Tagger? And the other guy says, Hey, all's fair in between the turnbuckles. Next panel, we get a split panel saying, Even choking? Hair pulling? And the other kid replies, Ref didn't say nothing, did he? And the next panel, we get the kid who's turned his ball cap around for some reason, saying, Then having your manager hold your mom so you could give her that flying head scissors? And the next panel, we get the other kid saying, Hey man, get off my case. Double teams are part of the game. Besides, they want to play. Ball cap kid says, How do you do that? My parents hate games. The next panel, we get the two kids saying, Simple. Wrestling is easy to learn and play, and the cards are totally cool. This game's a blast, just like the real thing. Final panel, we get Ball Cap Kid saying, So, you're bad? And the other kid saying, Sure, just ask my dad. This is an Avalon Hills game that's really not selling me on the idea of wrestling. Especially when the kids are basically saying that they enjoy beating the shit out of their dad. But that's about all I have for this issue. I hope you folks who are listening are enjoying these comics as much as I'm enjoying presenting them to you. I am, however, sad to say that these haven't been collected in any edition that I've found. So if you want to read along with these, you'll have to go and find the singles. But as I've said before, shouldn't be too difficult to come by them. My thanks again to Andy Leyland and Thomas DJ for writing in and encouraging me on my podcast endeavors. It's always great to get encouragement from the more experienced podcasters out there in the world. So, until next week when we'll be wrapping up the storyline of Guy and his Nort, I bid all of you farewell. That was a pretentious ending. How about we'll just see you next week? Bye-bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, dot lipson, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. 
there you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys Podcast. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for the show was The Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine, off their album Lungs. You can either go to iTunes and download the song or the album from there, or if you wanted to help a friend of mine out, go to tutufreaks.libson.com, click the Amazon.com banner at the top of the site, and go download the music or the album from Amazon.com. You'll be helping out a podcast that I love to listen to.